Hello and welcome back to the Economic Review. As much as we love to wonder what the Founding Fathers would have thought of our tax codes today, the truth is they couldn't even conceive of corporate taxes because corporations didn't exist at the time of our nation's founding. American business consisted of sole proprietorships and partnerships. It wasn't until the late 1800s that our government began to see the need for a corporate tax policy, as it was simply not possible to impute the tax to each shareholder. When Congress introduced the first corporate tax in 1894, it was met with immediate opposition and repealed within the year. The next time legislators introduced a corporate tax in 1913, they played it safe by setting the tax rate at a meager 1%. Over our nation's history, the corporate tax has risen and fallen as our government's needs have shifted. When national security was of the highest importance during the Second World War, most Americans readily agreed to increase corporate taxes. During this period, corporate taxes accounted for nearly 20% of the total revenue of the U.S. government. We saw similar increases during the Vietnam War. Today, the corporate tax rate sits at a flat 21%, thanks to the Tax Cuts and Jobs Act of 2017. Many argue that corporate tax rates should be increased, claiming low tax collections following the Tax Cuts and Jobs Act in 2017. However, the truth is that the Congressional Budget Office now estimates that the government received $370 billion in corporate tax revenue over the 2021 fiscal year, matching the record high set in 2007. In the 2007 study of tax and economic growth by the Organization for Economic Cooperation and Development, economists determined that the corporate tax rate is the single most harmful tax for economic growth. The study states that, quote, the choice of treatment of corporate equity income can have implications for economic growth. In many countries, corporate equity is taxed at the company and shareholder level through dividend and capital gains taxes. The treatment of such income at the personal level is important, since this double taxation creates distinct creates disincentives to invest. A 2020 study using evidence from tax reform in Portugal showed that lower corporate taxes improve both the quantity and quality of entrepreneurial activity. This study revealed that new corporations were more productive, more significant, and owned by more experienced and educated entrepreneurs during times of lower taxation. They were far more likely to survive the first three years of business than corporations who entered during times of higher corporate taxation. I think few people would argue that if you work for a thriving corporation, then you as an employee should see the benefits of that in the form of increased wages. But corporations, but corporate income tax fluctuations mean that each time the tax rate is raised, the brunt of the increase is not borne by the shareholders, but by employees. Corporations respond to new taxes to minimize their costs, and one of these solutions is to pass the burden onto their workers. A 2015 paper by Kevin Hassett and Aparna Marthur concluded that 1% rise in the corporate tax rate is associated with a 0.5% drop in wages. Even more conservative estimates, such as the analysis of German tax rates in 2017, found that more than half of the responsibility is borne by workers. 
and most economists agree that labor pays at least 40% of the burden of corporate taxes. Raising the corporate tax rate now would place an unnecessary strain on a workforce still struggling to bounce back from the pandemic. And the companies that haven't the room to share the burden with their U.S. workers, well, they'll just go elsewhere. Scott Hodge, the president of the Tax Foundation in Washington, D.C., astutely points out, quote, Capital is extremely mobile, but people aren't. It's relatively easy for a company to move its operations from Dublin, Ohio to Dublin, Ireland, to take advantage of that country's 12.5% corporate tax rate. But it is much, much more difficult for a worker to move his family thousands of miles to follow that job. In fact, it's almost impossible. Our federal government is gambling with the nation's employment rates with every increase in corporate taxation. It's a no-win scenario. We know the burden is being passed onto workers. We just know, we just don't know if it will come from lower wages or higher unemployment. Even if we assume the lower estimates of the worker burden of corporate taxation are accurate, it is incorrect to assume that the shareholders are bearing the rest of it by themselves. An analysis of corporate taxes and retail prices published by the National Bureau of Economic Research in 2020 revealed a direct correlation between increases in corporate taxation and price increases passed to consumers. Authors Baker, Tang Sung, and Yen Ellis said that the timing of price changes following tax events reflects the tax change itself for both tax increases and cuts. The trio points out many studies of corporate tax incidents ignore the impact on consumers as do many models used by policymakers. For instance, the Congressional Budget Office assumes that corporate tax incidence is allocated purely to owners of capital and labor income, with about three-quarters being borne by shareholders. Their study showed that approximately 31% of the total incidence of corporate taxation falls on consumers through higher product prices, with capital owners and workers bearing a similar amount. Increasing a tax that places over 60% of the burden on consumers should not be taken lightly. According to the U.S. Department of Treasury, the wealthiest U.S. citizens may be dodging as much as $163 billion in taxes each year, and doing so entirely legally by working within the tax codes for maximum personal benefit. By buying and selling investments in the same year to zero out their taxable growth, or borrowing money against their portfolio, the wealthiest Americans are well and truly versed in how to best avoid taxes. Amazon, for example, utilizes corporate tax breaks it receives for investing in research and development, property, play, and equipment, and providing employee stock compensation. Now, before you ready your pitchforks, keep in mind what the ability to navigate the corporate tax code has allowed Amazon to do. Reinvest into its operations hire millions of taxpaying employees, and become the largest corporation in the world. Instead of fixating on the lack of taxes they pay, it's important to look at how much economic growth is created in the long term by doing so. Perhaps the most damning of all the arguments against corporate taxation is its effect on the U.S.'s ability to be competitive on the global stage. Proponents of the corporate tax argue that the 2017 Tax Cuts and Jobs Act didn't produce the sweeping economic advantages it promised. In February of 2020, Jason Furman, chairman of President Obama's Council of Economic Advisors, told the Ways and Means Committee that, quote, 
GDP growth did not increase following the 2017 tax law. It was 2.4% in the eight quarters leading up to the law and 2.4% in the eight quarters since the law. Many were quick to seize that as a reason to conclude that the increase in corporate tax rates was ineffective, and based on that logic, it's not a hard conclusion to jump to. But evidence has shown that there isn't any considerable benefit to increase in corporate taxes either. The 2017 tax reform brought the U.S. out of the top spot for corporate taxation and closer to the middle for developed countries. But that's not anything trendsetting. Most countries have continually and are expected to reduce corporate tax rates in the future years. Between 2010 and 2020, the average corporate tax rate in Europe dropped by 55%. The U.S. was finally making a move that allowed us to stay in step with the rest of the globe. Now, given time and a rebound from the pandemic, America may well see the benefits of that decrease. If we swing in the other direction and Congress passes the corporate tax increases proposed by the White House, we'll likely see our competitiveness on the world stage diminish significantly. The 2017 Tax Cuts and Jobs Act reduced the massive disadvantages American corporations were facing from day one of operations. During a global pandemic, an increase in corporate tax rates would put U.S. businesses at an undeniable disadvantage with our global competition. Despite its disadvantages, why are so many in government pushing for significant increases to the corporate tax rate? Because taxes are big business in Washington, D.C. Millions of dollars are pumped into lobbying for tax code changes. Between 2001 and 2010, Congress amended the tax code 4,130 times. Many of these were new loopholes to provide special treatment to individuals and corporations who offer campaign contributions or other benefits to a member of Congress. As Gordon put it, if the best place to hide a book is a library, the best place to hide a tax fiddle is in a tax code consisting of 74,000 pages of numbling prose. Congress is the beneficiary of corporate, tax, of corporate taxes, not the American people. Fighting against increases to the U.S. corporate tax is no easy feat. After all, the chance for the feds to rake in billions in extra revenue through the twitch of a few percentage points isn't an easy maneuver to replicate with other legislation. Abolishing the corporate tax altogether is highly unrealistic and likely to have its own disadvantages, but preventing an increase so our economy can continue to compete on a global scale is essential. Thank you so much for tuning into the Economic Review. We'll be back soon with the latest.